0: Listening Dog Media.
1: This podcast
2: is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
0: The Offside Rule, We Get It, with Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen, and Kate Borset.
3: Hello, it's that time of the week again. Another Offside Rule podcast. The ladies join me once more in our little tiny room. Hayley McQueen. Hello. Kate Borsay. Hello. And myself, Lindsay Hooper. We are here to talk football, of course. That's what we do every time. Uh, Three topics on the list this week. We're going to choose three footballers and we're going to tell you what other sports we think they'd be good at and why. This could have a bit of a funny side. Serious edge two. Uh, back from the brink will be topic two. So we've had lots of shocks in the FA Cup and League Cup. We want to talk about clubs that have been maybe in dire straits and have performed some great success stories. So we'll talk that. And for our third topic this week, we're going to talk about a time when you got something you didn't expect in football. Maybe a reaction from a manager you weren't expecting, an interviewee, a strange gift or keepsake. Keep them to yourselves for now, girls, but we'll get those out of you later. And we'll have Twitter Topic of the Week. Fake Rothers is here with our non league roundup. And this week, it's Bundesliga. So we welcome Simona Felsberger back to the Offside Rule podcast team. Female
2: take on football.
3: Let's start, though, with a little discussion about FA Cup and League Cup stories. How brilliant, because. Often when you talk about the Cups of recent years, the media, television, newspapers have sort of berated the fact that Cups have had dying attendances um, and that they basically distract people from what is an important league run, for instance. But I think this year has been sort of paramount in proving that cup competition is brilliant it's one of those spectacles for the the lower teams to just to get excited about and we saw Bradford and Swansea City who'd have thought that final was going to happen in the League Cup and in the FA Cup as well we know that Faker others has been over the moon with Luton Town's mm-hmm. performance uh, we can talk about them older um, it's been great hasn't it and do you think that the FA Cup and League Cup should continue for many years to come I can't imagine football without cup competitions like this for smaller
2: clubs like the ones that I support, like Middlesbrough, who's going to feature a little bit later on in the podcast. For me, one of the highlights is just getting to Wembley. And and yeah, when you're a Manchester United and Arsenal, the Chelsea, Liverpool, you're used to getting to lots of cup finals. You're used to playing in great stadium around the world, uh, around Europe in particular, in Champions League and Europa League. But when you're a smaller team, it is a chance of a lifetime for the fans to experience something that is truly magical. And, And from our generation growing up, Uh, As a boy, I guess, you dream of maybe playing at Wembley. As as a girl, you dream of cheerleading at Wembley. No, you don't really. But um, you you dream of following your football club and one day being part of the magic that is the cup. I remember as a kid staying up and being allowed to stay up and, and, and watch cup competitions on telly. That's what it was all about.
3: The magic of the cup competitions for you, Kate, do they still exist?
1: Well, a few days ago, they didn't exist because I'm a Liverpool fan. So you can imagine that it fell flatly on its bottom a couple of days ago. i um, got to give a shout out to Oldham, of course. What a fantastic result for them. 3-2. And I tell you what, he might have the same name as Doctor Who, but Matt Smith was definitely, who are you? By the end of the game, wasn't he? He was absolutely fantastic. He you know, used to play football with Jack Whitehall at university. Now there's a little fact for you. So not such a great day if you're a Liverpool fan. Our centre-half pairing was disastrous Skirtle and Coates. But do You know what? Fair play to Oldham. They won it fair and square and well done to them. And that's why we love these competitions, isn't it? Because lower league teams can come and notch up an impressive result and really leave
3: teams like Liverpool with a red face. And in the case of Bradford City and in the case of Oldham, teams that are struggling in the league, this is the thing for them, for their fans this season, to get really behind, isn't it?
2: I think, if I'm not incorrect, Oldham have won just one game in the league in nine, something like that. They were on a torrid run. Of course, manager under a, a lot of pressure and still under a lot of pressure. Uh, will he continue with the cup
1: competition? Who knows? Who'd have thought we'd have mentioned Paul Dickoff twice in two weeks, eh? <laughs> but yeah, he's been given a a bit of a second chance, hasn't he, by um, by Oldham? So we'll have to see what kind of happens there. I must shout out Villa as well. They had a disastrous week, didn't they? Out of both cup competitions, really poor results. Not looking good for Paul Lambert there.
0: Hello everyone, this is Tony Cotti from Sky Sports Soccer Saturday and when I'm not working with Jeff Stelling and the boys, I'm listening to the Offside Rule podcast. Women not we me not know anything about football? You're going to laugh, aren't you?
3: Well, we will move on to our actual topics. It's good, though, to have a little bit of a discussion about the Cups. I've enjoyed the last couple of weeks. Uh, but we'll move on to something a bit more light-hearted. Topic one this week. Let's see where we go with this. Um, I would like you to choose three footballers and tell me what other sports you think they could be good at and why. I'm going to start with Hayley McQueen. OK, well,
2: let's tell you about some footballers who are good at other sports Absolutely true story. Um, <laughs> the Neville family. I mean, they're just oh. there's an abundance of talent there. It's just not on. Uh, but yes, <laughs> hugely talented. The two Neville brothers, both Phil and Gary, were very good cricket players. Yeah, both oh of them, wow. they both chose to go on and play football. And thank goodness they did. Gary Lineker. We could have been watching him play snooker, apparently.
1: Snooker.
2: Yeah, and also he's got a really good golf handicap, hasn't he? Oh, yes,
1: he has. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Roy Keane. Was a junior Irish boxing champion. You can't make that you can up, can you? Can't imagine that, can't
3: like, you? Can totally imagine that. I wouldn't want to be stuck in a, a ring with Roy Keane. <sighs> I think if there'd been the era of the ultimate fighting champion when Roy Keane was going, we could have had him doing that, couldn't we? Yeah, UFC,
2: UFC. Right, Theo Walcott, we know he's pacey on the pitch. He was almost a professional 100 metres runner. He's amazing at sprinting, over distance as well, but 100 metres was uh, what he was particularly good at. Ibrahimovic, he was actually a kickboxer, funnily enough. That kind of doesn't surprise me. Bolo Zenden, who's obviously working at Chelsea now with Rafa Benitez, um, he earned his judo black belt by the age of 14. He's the three times judo champion of his home province uh, that was in Limburg. Yeah, I know. And uh, Joe Hart was once a promising young cricketer as well. He played with Shrewsbury County Cricket Club. He also appeared for their first team uh, in the Birmingham and District League as well. So there you have it. Yeah, he decided in 2005 to stop playing cricket in order to then go on and pursue uh, a career in football. And Peter Crouch, apparently he's pretty good at basketball. There we go.
3: <laughs> um, he's, he's actually on my list because I didn't know that he was actually good at basketball. He just looks like if I was a PE teacher at school, I'd have put him in the basketball yeah. team straight away.
2: Or high jump. Come on. Lo- yeah, long got,
1: legs. I've got Crouchy for high jump, actually. So I, will, so I will quickly scratch that off my list. I reckon he could clear a good few metres. <laughs>
3: yeah, without even trying. Yeah. Well,
2: my three are, I've got um, James Milner. He looks more like a rugby player. The way that he's yeah, built, he's I would stick him in the Sail Sharks team. <laughs> I have got Ashley Cole, clay pigeon shooting, and uh, and Rory DeLapp, javelin. Oh, yes. And also, this is uh, an actual fact as well, Rory Delap apparently... Um, was the junior schoolboy javelin champion. I oh, found that out by looking up to see how far he actually can throw a ball and look what the sort of javelin metres were. But yeah, his his ball-throwing skills um, often range from 30 to 40 metres, averaging 38 metres and can reach the speed of 37 miles per hour.
3: That's 60 kilometres an hour. See, he'd also be good at, in Scotland, your heritage roots they have the big competition, don't they, where they have to toss the... Yeah, to, to toss to the, come the come caber, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Caver.
2: Isn't it the caver? I'm thinking toss the, I'm thinking the Casbah. And
3: a little dance. I don't know where I'm going with that. Rock the caspar. Um Yeah, that's the one. Uh, right, I'm going to repeat then Peter Crouch basketball, mm. but you've you verified for me that he has a talent there. So I, that was just speculative from my point of view. I could just imagine him slam dunking all over mm. the place. Brilliant stuff. He wouldn't even have to jump up to the hoop, would he? He could just stroll up, reach up his arm, pop it in. Yeah, or netball. Go to wow. Oz, be in the men's netball team. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. I, I'm going to actually Oz s- because in Australia they are massive on men's netball, and we're starting to get that in this con- in this country as well. Mixed netball is particularly yeah. like mixed yeah. leagues. Um, I would love to be the, to be more male netball leagues in the UK. There are a few. Okay. But I, I want him to be a success, so he'd have to go to Oz. Do they have to wear those little skirts? <laughs> no, they don't, Kate. Um, but talking of attire, this is where I've had inspiration for my first one. Did you watch the Ballon d'Or? Of course, of course, course you did. Did. Of course. did you see and do you remember Messi's outfit?
2: <laughs> the dotty suit.
3: Yes, the dotty suit with the dicky bow. <laughs> yeah. I think he should be a snooker oh. player. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Right Great. Yeah. Show. So that's why I love that sparkly dinner jacket, and I thought that he'd really fit in in the snooker world. And my final one, again, another one that Hayley McQueen has touched on, but Slatan Ibrahimovic is a taekwondo black belt, um, oh. and that's just to add on. So not, this martial arts heritage is is completely true, and he has a black belt in that. So another sport that he could have perhaps ventured into, although um, he's sort of brought that onto the pitch, hasn't he, with his mm. his acrobatics? I, I'd say I wouldn't fancy myself against uh, him.
1: In a black belt scenario, I have, I have to say, I'd, Can I I'd be completely with honest him. with you, yeah. I, I wouldn't fancy you in it either.
2: <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> what have you
1: got, Kate? <laughs> the first one to mention actually is the other way around, but it made me think of it when you mentioned Theo Walcott. Um, Sprinter Adam Jamili. Now, he was a footballer, wasn't he, until very recently? He decided to focus on the 100 metres instead. So here's my take, my slightly ridiculous take, as per usual, uh, on other sports that footballers could do. Now, I could make a wry comment about how Luis Suarez should be on the next series of Splash, (laughs) (laughs) of course, as a diver. Um, I've also heard that the same player, Luis Suarez, may well be competing for Uruguay the handball world championships next year in denmark uh, he narrowly missed out on making the uh, team in spain this month he was scouted for next year's championship of course in liverpool's game against mansfield oh. do you get it yeah
3: Jeez. you're Jeez.
1: looking at me again like you're not sure whether i, I
3: was speaking the truth or not i wasn't at first i thought that you were speaking the truth very momentarily it's that acting background in you but i get you now yeah Very funny. He's too small for
1: a handball player. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wayne Rooney's uh, great at fishing. Fishing for a pay rise, that
3: is. (laughs) Another great one from you, Kate. We're sort of picking up from last week, aren't we, with your sense of humour? We'll go to back from the brink next. A More of a serious topic for us to discuss. So both League Cup finalists were on their last legs, weren't they, when it came to finances. So Bradford have been in administration twice since 2002, narrowly avoided going out of business. And after relegation to the third division in 2001, Swansea were sold for a pound. Several players sat, contracts terminated. It was an awful time at the club. So they luckily avoided relegation to the conference on the last day of the season back in 2002. And now look what has happened to the swans. So, ladies, I would like you to give us one example of a club in dire straits who managed to record some success against the odds, in the words of Phil Collins. <laughs> Kate, we'll start with you. So I'm going to go
1: with Wigan, and we forget, of course, Wigan is a rugby league town. They have a you know, a really good, solid football support base now, but back in the day of course it was always most famous for rugby league, and they are of course very, very good at it. Now dire days at Wigan, if I take you back to sort of 1992, 1993, um, they were relegated for the first time in the club's league history, playing to attendances of not more than sort of 2,500 or so. So in 93, 94, they are in ensley league division three and things got worse for them very nearly relegated again they were playing to attendances of 1845 was one of their attendances recorded by about 1995 it's not much more now <laughs> that's harsh Lindsay hooper really how very dare you it
3: drives me mad they're a premier league side they need more support
2: and isn't Wiggins a town isn't it? it's not wigan city so it's, it's a small town mm. like middlesbrough
1: and there's a lot of clubs in that vicinity as well, so a lot of rival yeah, yeah, teams. Yeah. Um, let's let's then take you to the moment where they were brought back from the brink, and it involves, of course, their saviour, Dave Whelan. Now, say whatever you like about Dave Whelan. He did marvellous things for that club. And uh, when he uh, purchased the club in February 1995, he made this sort of statement that was ridiculed at the time. He said, within uh, a certain period of years, we're going to be playing in the Premier League. Of course, the Premier League at that time was still a fairly new thing that had been around for a a couple of seasons or so and he was nearly laughed out of the park I tell you Um, but he did it didn't he he did it within 10 years they were back playing in the Premier League and they've been there now, of course, um for eight successive seasons. Now I know Wigan always scare us at this point in the season. We always think they're gonna get relegated. They always have you know slightly stronger second half where they manage to pull something out the bag and, and they're always safe, aren't they? Rabbit out the hat. Totally. Yeah. But I have to say, big up to Wigan. Huge, huge financial issues, very poor attendances in ninety three, ninety four, to so playing to one thousand eight hundred people to be purchased by Dave Whelan, a man on a mission, and to have spent the last eight successive seasons in the Premier League I think requires
3: a doff of the hat thank you very much for your back from the brink Hayley McQueen has one for us too
2: yeah I am going to go with my hometown team it might seem a little predictable because it is Middlesbrough um, but it is a really great story it's a very romantic story it involves superheroes coming to the rescue (laughs) and all that kind of stuff but yeah Middlesbrough Football Club nearly became obsolete kaput Gone forever until hero Steve Gibson, back in the 80s, rescued it from the brink, literally. And he is still there today as the chairman. That is very, very rare. And he's an English person looking after an English club. uh, And it's his boyhood team. He he grew up watching Middlesbrough on the terraces of Ayrson Park. Um, They have had a very up and down sort of, you know, history. At the time that he came and saved the club... The club experienced huge financial difficulties. Uh, In April 1986, uh, they had to borrow £30,000 from the PFA to play wages. So they didn't even have £30,000 at the football club to enable uh, a safe future. Final game of the season saw them relegated down to the third division. Uh, Once again, the club was wound up the gates of Ayrson Park. They were locked. um, And without £350,000 now, a capital required for the Football League registration, a new rule it seemed that the club would absolutely fold permanently until Steve Gibson, he was a member of the board at the time, he has a very successful company, and he decided that he was going to own the football club, which was a childhood dream of his. He grew up with Chris Kamara. They went to the same school. They were in the same class. Chris Kamara was excellent at football, and this this is fact. Chris Kamara was really good at football. Steve Gibson wasn't. He was very good in class. He was always getting the grades, and Chris was having to, you know sneakily help out with uh, his football skills and in turn he would help out with his homework and Chris Kamara said Oh, one day I- I'm going to play for Middlesbrough, that's all I want to do all I want to do is play for Middlesbrough and of course laughing away with Steve Gibson knowing that he, he probably wasn't going to be good enough to play for anybody um, and he was like well if you play for Middlesbrough I'll-, I'll one day own Middlesbrough and of course Chris Kamara went on <laughs> to play for the, his hometown team and Steve Gibson owned his hometown club so he actually went in, he was a member of the board at the time, brought together a consortium with 10 minutes to spare before the deadline. It is like transfer deadline when you have the few seconds left and you've got to get your facts through, otherwise that player is not coming to your club. That's how Jim, close
1: it was. Jim Jim White would have been all over that, wouldn't he? Oh. Final dying minutes now. Will the club be purchased or not? OK, he would, <laughs> he would. So, yeah, he, he he completely
2: saved them. Uh, not only that, the club went on to, to do wonderful things. He brought in... Uh, Brian Robson and we had the, the years there in the 90s and of course they were in the Premier League so from rescuing them in 86 when they were in Division 3 of course this is going back to the old structure of football in old Division 3 they won the league in 2004 they won went up and spent 11 seasons in the top flight. In the Premier League, they spent 11 seasons Mm. up there. Yes, they're in the championship at the moment, but this is a chairman who is still with the club now Mm. and is hoping to see them and get back up to the Premier League. Yeah, we're not going to have the Janinho Ravenelli years and the the Brazilian times and the Europa League finals, where they lost (laughs) 4-1 in Eindhoven to Sevilla, which I was there for. But I just think it shows you what can be done when somebody comes in and rescues a club at a time when it's most in need. And it works and it's a success story.
3: You fought your case very well there, Hayley McQueen. I'm not going to give you any stick at all for choosing Middlesbrough for once. Um, I'm going to give you one. Uh, mine's less back from the brink and more born fr- and risen from the ashes.
1: Oh, Phoenix from the flames. Phoenix
3: from the flames. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk Wimbledon FC. Uh, we're going to talk the time that they were relocated to Milton Keynes and the fans just decided, actually, we've had enough of this. We don't want to move 56 miles plus north to, to take our, our team from southwest London up to a complete town that we don't know about. So, of course, MK Dons were born, but I'm not going to focus on that side of things. I'm going to focus on AFC Wimbledon. And they, they were sort of born out of the fact that these supporters that didn't want to follow uh, Wimbledon who became MK Dons, wanted to have their own club. So they founded their own club, AFC Wimbledon, and it was founded in 2002. Now, when it formed, it entered the Premier Division, this is what league they were in, of the Combined Counties League, which is, working it out, round about the ninth tier of English football. So a long, long, long long way Mm -hmm. down the list. And in its short history, AFC Wimbledon have been promoted five times in nine seasons. They've come up to the tier of English football that we now know to be League Two, mm-hmm. fourth tier. So the only other club to be considered to have achieved anything even similar to this is Rushton and Diamonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, they they actually formed from two existing clubs, didn't they? It wasn't a, a new one born. But AFC Wimbledon, they hold the record as well. I thought this was quite important. For the longest run of unbeaten league matches, they played 78 consecutive league oh. games without de- Feet between February 2003 and December 2004. What a lovely fairy tale story. Aww. Do you like that one? I love that one, actually. Yeah,
1: thanks,
3: Lynn. Good. Uh, we're going to move on to Fakerothers, who who are talking about fairy tale stories. She's having her very own with <laughs> Luton Town. I cannot get her off the ceiling. Uh, she is going to report on all things non-league.
4: I wonder if Luton get a mention. Oh, I wonder. I wonder. Let's find out.
0: The female take on football.
4: Uh, yes, I am still sitting on cloud nine, funnily enough. Uh, I've had face ache all week as well. The smile has not disappeared. Uh, the draw wasn't as exciting, though, as everybody hoped. It's Luton against Millwall in the fifth round of the FA Cups. So of course, everyone bringing back those awful memories of the riots back in 1985 at Kenworth Road. But Luton have played them in the FA Cup since then in 89, but that was at the Den. And Millwall have been back to Kenworth Road 13 times in the league since 85, and there hasn't been a repeat of that. So hopefully everyone's going to forget all of that. That's going to be pushed aside and we can actually concentrate on what will hopefully be a great tie and one that's certainly winnable for Luton as well. Uh, Luton are out of the FA Trophy now. They lost 3-0 to Grimsby, who progress into the semi-finals, along with Wrexham, who beat Southport 3-1. The other semi-finalists um, are still to be decided, though, as I record this. And after that, Norwich Wimple Buckle was named the Blue Square Bet Premier Manager of the Month for January. Wrexham's Joe Clark was named Player of the Month as well. Some other news for you. And former Tamworth boss Mark Cooper's been named as AFC Telford's interim manager. Transfer news around as well. Alfreton have brought in midfielder Stephen Hewitt on loan from Burnley till the end of the season. Newport midfielder Lee Evans has signed for Wolves for an undisclosed fee. Look out for him, Linz. Kidderminster have signed Strike Duo, Amari Morgan Smith and Nat Jarvis. Mansfield have signed left back James Jennings on a free transfer from Cambridge United. Luton have brought in central defender uh, Steve McNulty from Fleetwood and Gillingham striker Stephen Payne has joined Ebb's fleet. Now then, I noticed your Twitter topic of the week as well, girls, which was uh, lookalikes. And I've got one for you because Kidderminster Harrier's Ricky Shakes looks uncannily like Jermaine Defoe. Go and have a look on the internet and see whether you agree with me or not. I'll be back next week for more from the world of non-league football.
3: Thank you very much to the lovely Faye Carruthers there updating us on all things non-league. She still sounds pretty happy, doesn't she? Yeah, she's
2: like dancing around every day, (laughs) all day. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. She's
1: literally gone off her hatter. Oh, that doesn't quite work, does it?
2: (laughs) The, uh, The back page headlines was last week, Kate. (laughs) Can I just get in? I had an imaginary story about Sir Alex Ferguson securing the services of Wilfred Zaha. (gasps) Yes. And And guess what happened? I know, you
3: forecasted it, you're like Mystic Meg of the Offside Rule. (laughs) Um, We will go on to our third topic. By the way, Hayley, did you see your headline anywhere? Zaha!
2: (laughs) It was so bad. That will never be a headline apart from in my own head. And it should never have come out even in the podcast. But anyway,
3: no one stole it. Um, We'll move on. Let's see what you've got for us this time, ladies. With our third, we always have a jovial topic for our third topic. So, what I would like from you is when you got a reaction in football that you weren't expecting, um, maybe from a manager, an interviewee. A strange gift or keepsake. I have a feeling that Haley will have a couple of good ones here. I'm going to start with with Kate Borsay. Well, I've
1: spoken about this before when I had a particularly traumatic experience uh, in Kiev... During last summer, when I was watching England play Italy at the European Championships, and it was a traumatic experience, of course, because I watched England go out at that quarter-final stage. But what I didn't mention at the time, and this was a good few podcasts ago, was it was a pretty traumatic experience for another reason as well. So I turned up at the game, and I'm with my friend and her dad, who used to be a footballer manager quite a few years ago. And we're sitting generally with some of the families, some of the England players' families, and um, and there are a few kind of managers and you know football people there, so that's all fine. So there's a Kind of a group of about six of us, and um my friend's dad meets an old friend of his who's currently managing in the league. Anyway, him and his assistant manager who were there had obviously been out on the booze all day and they're having a merry old time and it's the closed season, so why not having a great time? They'd rocked up in Kiev, early doors, been out all day and then come to watch the match. Um and uh I say hello to him, and he happens to be stood next to me. Anyway, watching the game, having a great time, trying to will England on, getting a bit frustrated by England's performance at the same time. And we get to a draw at the end of the game and it gets to the penalty shootout and this guy's been a bit touchy-feely with me during the game and I don't take any of that stuff so I was kind of sort of shrugging him off a bit and I was saying to sort of my friend oh yeah he's, he's a little bit handy so I was you know trying to laugh it off and stuff trying to, trying to be all casual about it. Anyway so we get to the penalty shootout and the atmosphere's building and the tension's building and... And we're all stood up and there's you know, loads of England fans there and they're all chanting away and you can imagine it gets to that fever pitch moment and uh, Gerard steps up, scores and Rooney steps up and scores and this guy turns to me and says, if we score this, I'm going to snog your face off. <laughs> <laughs> and I turn to my friend. That was something that I wasn't expecting and I'm like, help, help. Anyway, luckily, Ashley Young came to
3: my rescue. <laughs> thank God he missed. <laughs> At that moment, you were just looking for the fire exit. Where do I go? How do I get out? Brilliant stuff. Um have you got any more? No, that, that I think that I think that suffices, doesn't it? There's one story. um i've I've got two for you. So first of all, um I went to report on Dagnum and Redbridge in the FA Cup. you know, when they went on that. oh, it's a big one. <laughs> I know. (laughs) It's a big story, this one. Um, They went on that amazing FA Cup run quite a few years back. Um, I think they were playing Millwall, actually, like local rivals in the third round, and I'd gone to do a preview. I'd never been to Dagenham and Redbridge. Have either of you been?
2: Yeah. Not yeah. too long ago, yeah. It's very near Miss Bianca Westwood's
3: patch. Oh, nice. <laughs> ah. So you will know the setup of the stadium pretty humble yes. is the way that I would describe it. The manager's office is a porter cabin. <laughs> so John Still is in this porter cabin with all these lovely pictures around and he invites me in after I've done my piece to camera and, and, and a bit for one of the broadcasters I was working for. And he's like, oh, come on in have a sit down, and unbeknownst to me, he gets on the phone and he starts doing deals, talking about sacking players, and all very open in front of me. Um, It was just unbelievable to just witness that I can't remember any of the players from mm. from back then my memories wilted and um, I remember making a little bit of a note in my notebook at the time thinking I could be that journalist you know the one that breaks the news <laughs> thought no I'll keep my relations good Dagenham and Redbridge breaking news <laughs> but the thing that I love about him is that he was so open but also John Still is one of the longest serving managers isn't he in football now mm. and Dagenham and Redbridge always have those lovely FA Cup runs. They usually mm-hmm. go on quite a good a good run in the league at some point as well, nice little purple patch. And I just love that the club is so accessible. Do you think he was showing off? A little bit. And I think it was the time when not, there weren't that many female, I met five or six years ago, there weren't that many of us going and reporting on stories. And he probably was like, oh, let, let the girl come in the office and just sit down. She probably doesn't know what I'm talking about, but I was making little notes in my pad. <laughs> Actually,
2: that's just reminded me of a funny little story. Um, <laughs> we used to do this. It's terrible. When I used to report when, we did, um, when I worked for Manchester United television, um, the players would often walk out and, and walk through the press conference area in the mix zone on the phone chatting away so that they wouldn't have to speak to any journalists and stuff. So obviously I knew a couple of the players. I'm not saying I have the phone numbers of all the players in the team but I had one in particular who, who always walks past and I could see him walking out of the dressing room and towards us and he was on his phone. So I rang his phone from my phone <laughs> and it rang and there was nobody on the other end of the phone but I, I just expected it to probably be engaged and it rang and he obviously saw it and went a bit red and then he could obviously see that he was walking straight towards me and he did actually stop for an interview he was very red and we were having a bit of a laugh. So
3: that's I've forgotten about that. <laughs> one other one from me, and then I know that you've got another Haley. Paolo DiCanio. This was we know unexpected. I did post-match interview after Swindon played with Paolo DiCanio. And it was my first interview with him. And it was for the Football League show. I asked one question. One question. 11 minutes later oh, no. 11 minutes later no. the audio is still running, the cameraman's looking at me I didn't have to ask another question I have never known a man with a bit, an ability to talk <laughs> non-stop for so long, It. my arm was aching <laughs> so much I had to swap arms, you know all of that but it like, was so funny. Do you like doing that behind the camera thing where you're desperately
1: nodding as if to say that's it, we've got enough and you're nodding away but he's just not paying any attention
3: to all that nodding. The thing that was so funny was that I was so polite that I kept changing my arm and keeping the microphone there, but in the meantime all these other journalists has just popped their microphones in, got the answer they wanted and popped it out again, <laughs> and I was still there for 11 minutes. But. <laughs> Mine is actually links on
2: quite nicely from that, but on the complete flip side, it was uh, a <laughs> It was a pre match sort of bit of help and an interview that I, I didn't get and it was left hanging. Oh, no. But it's actually quite funny and it taught me a very good lesson. I was working um, on a reserve game. We were down at Northwich, Victoria, um, where Manchester United played their games. Can't remember who it was against. I've been to that many. Freezing cold evening, gloves on, bag, all. Stuff everywhere, puffy jackets, lots of belongings, always in a bit of a kind of pre-match tizzy when the teams are out because quite often what will happen is I'll get the Manchester United team, I will have it all written down, I'll know where who, who goes where. But as for the opposition, sometimes it is a little bit difficult because... Um, if they're under a certain age, you can't mention their name. You just get numbers and you're trying to figure out mm-hmm. who's playing for where. You're trying to work out a formation. And I have to go live on MUTV and, and announce the teams and, and give a bit of information about a couple of the key players and then go through the formations. I needed a bit of help. Brian mcclaire sometimes, um, well, always did a post-match interview with us. So did Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, Rennie Moulinstein, whoever it was that was down there at the time um, to help out with that. So pre-match, I was like, can we grab a couple of words? He was like, yeah, no problem. I went to get a pen couldn't find a pen, went to get into, go into my bag I was like, oh Brian, uh, could you just help me I had a microphone in one hand, bit of paper in the other, scrambling around in my handbag, <laughs> there's makeup stuff flying everywhere that I shouldn't have been seen uh, by any sort of professional <laughs> person and Brian just said, well, he goes fail to prepare, prepare to fail oh, oh, and God. walked off and what? I was just left oh, no. left hanging,
3: so that taught me a lesson, so now I always have about six pens everywhere mm. Fantastic. Uh, We're just going to, before we get to Twitter topic of the week, uh, this podcast, we're going to roll with the times. We have a guest. I'm going to open the door. (gasps) Emily is from Sky Sports News, and she has something with her. (laughs) Emily, what is this? This is uh, the Brighton Hove Albion official 2013 calendar for Miss Hayley McQueen. They have sent it in. Emily has been on the case here to get you this. Um, By the way, for anyone who has not actually listened to the podcast, um, Hayley declared a few podcasts ago that Brighton and Hove Albion were the best looking team. So you've got a calendar now.
2: This is so exciting. I was speaking to Kate before saying, making a joke about... This is, this is brilliant. Because Poyer is in January. He's looking good. <laughs> Mrs, Mrs. Poyer is a, is a lucky lady. Dean Hammond, he's, yeah, not bad. March, yes. Lewis Dunk. He's nice. He'd make a good basketballer. Lewis Dunk, slam dunk. Following on from our theme, I love Thomas Kuzjak. I am Thomas. I am the hardest man in the world. Put me in goal. I am like a wall. <laughs> Oh, May, yeah, oh yeah. Vicente, wants- he's a personal favourite of mine for his footballing <laughs> skills, of course, <laughs> Torborn. He's, he's got a wrist hat. Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure about tattoos, <laughs> so we'll we'll move on from that. July, this is where my holidays are going to feature. Dobby and Mikhail Smith in there. Oh, Wayne Bridge, he's featured yeah, in our podcast, we like hasn't we? we? Just because of the pure love of the fact that he has dropped down to another league to show his skill. Bruno, this is amazing! Oh, oh, hello, October. Let's, let's not continue because I'm, I'm going to be slightly blushing. But if anybody out there has a Brighton & Hove Albion calendar.
3: Go to October.
2: And actually November. <laughs> oh, and December. December's my birthday month. So I'll be quite excited when I get to that one as well.
3: Emily, thank you so You're much. Welcome. And you have lots of connections, don't you? At Brighton & Hove Albion. They're your team. So I tell know. us about how you got this. Um well I spoke to a guy called Paul Camelin, who is in charge of the press relations, I think, um, who's known me for a very long time when I used to stand at the With Dean in the freezing cold um, so now, even though we're mixing with the big boys in the Amex, he still talks to me. So that's <laughs> nice. That's nice, although he probably has a warmer seat than I do. Emily, Paul as well. Aww, thank you very much. Haley, yeah. is that going to take pride of place on the bedroom wall? Yeah, because
2: you get to the end of January and you think, oh, is this it? Is this all that life mm. has come to? And you go through that mm. depressing stage and you think, actually, you know what?
1: Life's pretty good. Life is good.
3: There you are. Thank you very much.
1: You're very well. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, girl.
3: Well, after all that excitement, I think we'll go on with Twitter topic of the week. We'll put the calendar to one side. You can let it go, Haley. I'm putting it up in my little, I say dressing room. It's a, it's a cupboard
2: with my outfits in it, so I will tweet that later on. Okay, do tweet which is, it. Which is
1: actually what what they do in American high schools. It's a bit like that, isn't it? Opening up the locker and you've got all the objects of your affection oh. there.
4: Oh,
3: one big object there. Um, we're going to go on to Twitter topic of the week. Um, this week it is born from Rio Ferdinand. He gets another mention. But this week it was a tweet that inspired us because he said, who is the better Berber lookalike, Mark Strong from Layer Cake or Andy Garcia? And it made us think about footballer lookalikes. Um, we have been canvassing all week on our Twitter um, Twitter account, which is at Offside Rule Pod, by the way, give us a follow uh, to get your input. Well, let's start off with an anonymous tweet from a respected sports journalist we got in our DM box. I love checking the DM box, uh, saying that Neil Ashton looked a little bit like AVB. It's, uh, he said it didn't come from him, though. We can't reveal his identity. Um, we tweeted that. Neil Ashton replied, saying that that was a better shout when he used to appear on the supplement with a bit of stubble. But nice to know. We had another footballer tweet about it as well. Matt Holland mm-hmm. got in touch saying that he once was told that he looked a bit like Sophie ellis Baxter <laughs> <and> that <laughs> he, was, floor. he was like, not having that hashtag. Brilliant. <laughs> um, some more from you guys. We've had Murray Frame at Mr. Mourinho uh, saying that Chico Flores and the one and only Zlatan both bear a striking resemblance to the late Frank Zappa.
1: And they're both pretty crazy too. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> they are really. Um, Rookery Mike said, I've never seen Aaron McLean in the same room as 50 cent. Oh, fiddy. good one. Biddy biddy. Uh Johnny Gallagher said I love this one. Stella Solbacon, <laughs> ex Wolves manager and Richard O'Brien from the Crystal Maze. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Actually <laughs> I can see that. I'm going to have to get onto a search engine later on and just I must, yeah. I think this is a very visual Twitter topic of the week. But we'll get people to just look up. Cesc Fabregas looks like Gabriel Gray according to Phil Coates. One of our regular tweeters, Jerno Dom, said, "Have you ever seen Chris Kamara and Lionel Richie in the same room? I think they should get Richie, Lionel Richie, and Chris Kamara in one of the adverts together." Yeah, Yeah, that would be cool. That would be good. That would be good, wouldn't it? Um, We have Milana. (laughs) <laughs> who said when Zavi biopic uh, is, is inevitably made, who but Robert Downey Jr. should be cast as the man himself. <laughs> I would like that biopic. I think, and I think he'd be quite happy with that, wouldn't you? Robert Downey Jr., yeah, that's a yeah. pretty good one, isn't it? Uh, final one, Gareth Terry said, and I've seen this going around the internet for a mm. while, actually, there's a youth team player at Spurs, yeah. apparently, that looks a spitting image of Gareth Bale.
2: I thought it was Gareth Bale. Yeah, yeah I can't it believe it. Everything. But if you look like him and you played for the same teams, surely you'd just shave your hair and think, oh, I'm getting lots of stick about this. <laughs> <laughs>
3: We've got one each then to add into the mix. Um, I'll start with mine. I I had a a conversation with a friend who isn't into football at all. And it was actually me just trying out some ideas for potential features in the future for the podcast. I wanted someone who didn't know about football to try and describe footballers to me. And so I showed her a picture of Joey Barton. And she thought it was Terry from East 17. (laughs) I'm sure Joey will love that. If you actually look at the pictures, it is uncanny. Some of the pictures, they do really look alike. Uh, who have you got, Kate?
1: Kate? <laughs> Well, we could make a joke, of course, about Van Nistelrooy looking like Shergar, couldn't we? But I'll move on Aww. quickly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Van Nistelrooy. Um, my other half reckons that Sergio Ramos looks like Bo Derek. Now, if that's not completely random, I think it's just hair-based, to be honest. Um, I've got some pictures here for you ladies oh. now. Roberto Baggio, him, Italian legend, of course, just resigned from his post at the Italian Football Federation. I think he's the love child of Guillaume Balagay and Phil Brown. Together, Yes.
3: Yes, Okay. We like
1: it. Ian Beale looks like Stuart Pearce.
3: (laughs) In that picture they do, definitely. And
1: what what about this? So, um, Juve player Sebastian Giovinco is a dead ringer, and this is actually a proper dead ringer for Martin Skirtle, Liverpool defender. They look like the same person. And if you're at home, folks, look it up if you're a Martin Skirtle or a Liverpool fan or whatever. Sebastian Giovinco, a Juve player, dead ringer. Hayley.
2: Yeah, I reckon we scan this in and put it up on our Facebook page. So when you are listening to us, all your lookalikes, you can maybe add yourself on the wall and we will put this up so you can see what we're looking at. I actually can't believe the resemblance between Ian Beale and Stuart That (laughs) I've seen that before, I think, in the past and had a chuckle, but that is uncanny. Mine is Vicente del Bosque and Mr Potato Head. (laughs) I don't mean to offend him, but in a nice way, he's yes. got this little moustache and it's sort of the, the, the shape of the head. If you look at a Mr Potato Head, and if you look at him, that is it. Another one as well. This is the one that I had when I was growing up. Peter Reed, who I really like. He's a brilliant guy, so I'm not taking the mick. Um, if you used to collect those little dolls with the, the trolls with the spiky-up <laughs> hair... it did. If you take the hair out and you're just left with the <laughs> cheeky little face, it's Peter Reed. Peter Reed. <laughs>
3: Uh, Right, we're going to have a quick break to find out what's been going on in the world of Bundesliga for the last month. Simona has an update for us and then we will do our signing off. So let's find out what's been happening
0: in Germany. Hello, girls. This time I have all FC Bayern updates, really. Most exciting is Pep Guardiola's move from FC Barcelona to FC Bayern Munich. With him, I feel there's more glamour moving to Bavaria's capital. As it looks now, Jupp Heynckes will hand over a team with at least a Bundesliga Championship title and all Bavarians and Bayern Munich fans will crave for next season and expect a triple, Bundesliga, Cup and Champions League. But still, there is no ultimate satisfaction at Siebener Straße, hood of FC Bayern. Even though they seem unbeatable, they do feel there is a lack of ease of playfulness in their game. And there's a bit of a foul atmosphere in Bayern's bench, as Arjen Robben and Mario Gomez are not used to sit there and wait, being both strong characters. Hearing rumours Pep will be allowed to invest 278 million euros on new players. Quite a tough one, I think. Now, I know you're talking lookalikes this week, so I thought I'd include a Bundesliga one for you too. It's Senegalese striker Mandiou from Hanover 96. He looks exactly like 50 Cent. Look it up. It's worth it. They're both very handsome. Well, that's it from Germany. Have a good one and speak to you in a month. Breaking news, everyone. Stand by your beds. This is Jim White. You can download the Offside Rule podcast this very day.
3: Thank you very much, Simona. We'll have another update from around the globe next week. That's about all from us. Uh, do follow us. It's Twitter, at Offside Rule Pod. We have a Facebook account. Remember, we're released every single Monday. Get downloading and get interacting with our new Twitter topic of the week. We'll be scouring around for that over the next few days. Uh, Hayley, you can put the calendar down, by the way. She's just still going through <laughs> the Brighton & Hove Albion calendar. <laughs> and now you're looking up on Wikipedia, his vital statistics, but we won't say who. Uh, Kate Valls, thank you very much again. Uh, we'll be back next Next week, join us then, but bye for now. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.
0: (laughs) The Offside Rule, We Get It, with Lindsay Hooper, Hayley McQueen and Kate Borset. Produced by Sarah Grun.